co-host Scott Minton. Today, me and Josh are just going to sit around and talk about our favorite summer pours, what we're looking forward to in the upcoming, I guess we call it the bourbon season or the release season in October and and things to that nature. So what's going on, Josh? Well, I like to call that season my happy time. I could agree with happy time, happy time. You know, here we are, we're finishing out, I think we're finishing out the summer if there's any difference between seasons right now due to COVID, but... I think and we're. Do you have to keep bringing up that word? It's it's almost become a dirty word in my house. Well, it is a dirty word. <laughs> it's a dirty what five letter acronym word. But yeah. Yes, it's a dirty word. All the other four letter words were taken, so they moved to five letter words. Cover it. There was no other way to explain this other than a dirty word. Absolutely. Now here we are. We're uh, we're actually down at uh, Maker Thirteen today, where we did a podcast uh, maybe a month or two ago. Yeah, something like that. We're uh, using the extra space here in an office, kind of mid-area, kitchen area, with the the opportunity just to come down and check it out again, but for us just to sit and chat. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, looking at this, uh, I guess I'll say the past couple of months, you know, I, I know you and I have both bought more than our fair share of... Just don't tell my wife. Yeah, they were all $20 a bottle, right? And yes, they were all JTS Brown bottled in bond. That's right. So we've bought our more than our fair share, especially with uh, the the recent releases that we've seen from Old Forester and a couple other places. And heck, I got super lucky this week and picked up a Rock Hill Farms, which I didn't even think they were going to release it this year. Is what kind of the rumors I'd heard. So uh, have you have you found a favorite bottle yet of the ones that have been released recently? Old Foe Fanboy now entering the session. Um, I would tell you that most everything I have bought, um, aside from the, uh, the Pearl releases that happened back in, I want to say it was March or April, most everything I've got has been old Forester for the most part. Since the, uh, the old foe 90 proofs are rumored to be, you know, going out. That's what I've been buying anywhere. Anytime I went to a liquor barn, total wine, Cox's and Evergreens. Uh, I've been picking up whatever old foe 90 proof I could find, single barrel 90 proof. Uh, trying out a variety of those. I picked up some on, quote, secondary market on occasion, um, but also through the old Forester website because they were doing their Friday releases. So bought a whole lot of old Forester, but only $20 a bottle, of course. Right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think I probably bought more than my fair share as well. And, um, you know, only being $20 a bottle. <laughs> hint, hint, sarcasm. Yes. Um, definitely stockpiled up on my more, more than my fair share. So uh, actually yesterday I was in the, the old Forester pickup line right behind you by chance. I drove down to Whiskey Road to go pick up my uh, previous week's purchase on their curbside pickup. And I got the Old Forester President's Choice bottle or barrel number 15 yesterday. And I also picked up a Old Forester Master Taster Selection barrel strength brown sugar. Okay. Is that the one you cracked last night? No, I opened up the Old Forester President's Choice last night, which was just below 120 proof. And I tell you what, man, that thing took me by surprise because I'm, you heard me say I'm a 90 proof single barrel fan of theirs. This one was hot, man. Had my mouth, I, I don't think I had had any bourbon or whiskey for the last five or six days, which may be rare for me. 
Yeah. My taste buds may have recovered over those five or six days. That sucker sent it into shock. I mean, the, the, the taste buds on my tongue were just tingling. It's like, Josh, this isn't what you normally drink. Well, you said you had been drinking beer the last, you know, week, week and a half. So that, that makes a hundred percent sense that, you know, your, your, your taste buds had mellowed out to that 4% and then all of a sudden you start popping that one, uh, that 60% alcohol. That's a big, that's a big jump. Well, that's true. Uh, Floyd County Brewing Company released Oktoberfest this week. So I did have to go over and get the, uh, one of the first pours off their Oktoberfest keg, which was really pretty good. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Old Foe, I've been drinking a bunch of it. You heard me refer to myself as Old Foe fanboy, so I do I do enjoy that. It's my daily. Um, and we just had gone over to Old Forester maybe a month and a half ago and sat down with Tyler. Yep, yep. And, and we're, we're, we're supposed to go back over there. I, I don't know if I told you that or not, and kind of walk through some more process and things like that. And I, I did send an information an informational question to uh, Miss Jackie to see if she was interested in joining us in, in one of the near future episodes. So fingers crossed and, you know, we'll get a chance to speak with her and, and bring her on the podcast and kind of talk through what master taster means and, you know, all those good fun buzzwords that go along with it. So I'm currently sitting on a bottle or two and I won't tell you three, but maybe a bottle or two or three of the master taster selection, old forester, single barrel, Honey Orchard, 90 proof. Oh, tasty, tasty. Dude, that thing, I don't know what it is about that. You open that bottle up, and it's like you're sniffing an orchard, and it's like taking a bite of a fresh apple. It's a beautiful, beautiful bottle. It, it really is, and, and it's one of the few pours that I've had recently that like truly the name of it is exemplified by the smell and taste. Like It, it immediately hits you, and... The funny thing is, so when I was lucky enough to, to pick up a couple of those and I shared one with you that thank you, that it was one of those things where I'm like, my gosh, when I got home, I opened my other one up because I didn't really want to open it until I had a backup. And I, I did the same thing, you know, poured a big pour and was like, man, this thing's really daggone good. I, I cannot wait, you know, to uh, drink some more of it. But I haven't had quite as much as you or some of the other guys in, in the club or, or, or Matt or even on the podcast, just because, you know, I, I told you my, my wife isn't a big fan of me drinking alone, I guess would be the best way to put it. You're never alone when the dog's home. Hey, I, I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess technically I'm never alone because my wife and kids are always there. Um, quarantine's never um, never been so uh, lonely, not lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So we talked a lot about my love for old foe here. What have you been drinking? So I've been drinking a lot of Old Forester myself. Um, but I tell you, um, what I've been finding myself really, really dipping into a lot lately is some of the Starlight stuff we've picked up. Um, I did, um, I got a bottle of, uh, man, was it, I want to say it was Wishes and something, but it was a Sherry Finish Cask one. I've been, I've been hitting it pretty hard. Um, I've been hitting, uh, some wild Turkey. Um, you know, I, I've been going back to those, uh, red label single barrels. I've, I, you know, I, I've just been all over the place, which is kind of unusual. I mean, not really unusual, but I've not, um, stuck with what my typical, you know, nightly drinkers were or things to that nature. I was drinking a lot more OWA and I've picked up a few bottles, but honestly, I, I haven't been touching it hardly at all. Um, I've been sharing it with other individuals. I also found myself on a little bit of a old Ezra kick. I started I started drinking my old Ezra Severin quite a bit lately. 
So you mentioned the uh, wild turkey, and I've been waiting on football season to return to my Russell's Reserve single barrel stash that I have. Something about it just makes me think football and, you know, a little bit colder weather and just that nice warm hug it gives you when you drink it because the, the 110 proof certainly is a nice hug for you. So I've been drinking Old Foe all summer. Now I'm just waiting on football to really kick off and to dive back into those Russell's Reserve bottles. So not to get too much off bourbon, but speaking of football, what do you think this season's going to look like? I mean, are, are we are we going to have a season? Are we so, not? So I'm a, a diehard card, you know, diehard UFL fan. So I am 100% hopeful that we have fans in the stands. I think right now they're telling us 30%. I really doubt that's going to end up happening, but maybe I'll be proved wrong. Uh, but I think we're going to have football. It's just a matter of whether or not all our fans are there. And I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously hoping everyone stays safe and healthy and protocols are covered, but I'm ready for it. So, so have being being a season season ticket holder like you are, have they went over what that thirty percent is going to look like? Is it going to be all the season ticket holders get in first, or is it going to be one of those situations where people that have bought in packages or X Y Z and all that's kind of going to be kind of divvied up, and you may get a game, you may not get a game because of that, or has there been any? information so to you guys about that officially you were supposed to put down your donation and ticket purchase price back in may then they gave some extensions because of that five letter covid word so they gave extensions and furthered it sometime into june and then you're sitting in limbo after that and they finally they've come back and they've set up how it's going to be how they're going to provide that 30% capacity. I think they say 18,000 at UofL at Cardinal Stadium. And, you know, they've got a whole bunch of protocols in place where there's your group and then there's a big open spot on all around you. So it's like you're quarantining, you're isolating yourself there. But we'll see if it happens. Uh, they've got a whole bunch of special things they're trying to do to keep people isolated. But it'll be interesting. So it sounds kind of like what the movie theater is talking about doing, where basically you have like a section of four or five people together, and then six feet away they'll put another just little small group of people. And if your season ticket holders with like four or five tickets, then that's the way it would look. Is that what you're saying? I think so, but you know I haven't paid attention to movie theaters because I typically fall asleep during a movie, so I haven't been to a theater for a couple of years. Boo, boo, dude! Eight thirty's bedtime, so you know I'm I'm typically out fall asleep i could fall asleep on the couch sitting up watching the news you know you say that you always say oh man i'm in bed by 8 30 but almost every night over the last you know three or four weeks i've been texting you at 9 9 30 at night and you're replying pretty quickly so you're not in bed now maybe you might be heading to bed but you're not really in bed at that point well it's usually when my wife says it's okay to go to bed that's when i go to bed so if uh, if i can convince her that 8 15 is it you know by 8 30 i'm out <laughs> hit the bed and i'm out you have to convince your wife that it's bedtime? Well, she says, you're not that old. You can't go to bed that early. Stay up. You know, this and that. <laughs> Do you tell her you have to get up and work real hard every day? Nah, she knows that I don't. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the old soul in me is up every morning between 4.45 and 5. So you can only do that so much without going to bed early. I could see that. I could definitely see, you know, uh, having that issue. So, so. Did did you find a did you find a favorite? I feel like you kind of avoided my question. You you came at me with what I was drinking, but you you just said I've been drinking a lot of Ofo. Did did you find well, that, a favorite of those 
choices or the or the let, yeah let's let's eliminate the 90 proof because we know your favorite is the honey orchard right like i mean there's is there really even a doubt there so it is so of the barrel strength ones and i don't know if you've tried them all or cracked them all yet or not maybe you haven't but i i have only opened up the master taster selection corner piece of cake you haven't come over yet to let me try the quarantine cask 2020 and last night i was not up for opening up the uh, the brown sugar i picked up so I only know the corner piece of cake, but I think what I told you guys when I opened it was it doesn't drink like a barrel strength, like it's almost 130 proof. Right. It drinks very, um, very smooth, not a lot of afterburn, has quite a bit of of flavor forward, doesn't burn your mouth, doesn't kill the taste buds, very, very what I would want to drink if I was drinking barrel strength. And, you know, I'm not overly a a huge barrel strength drinker so do you find it surprising that that one even though it's just slightly higher on the abv um slightly well that well let let me let me finish my my sentence here slightly higher on the abv than the presidential choice but yet it's a much younger bourbon but yet you said it doesn't have the bite that the other one had yeah you know i'm not exactly sure what they're looking for when they're barreling the president's choice when they're choosing or when they're bottling, I'm, I don't know what their their priorities or their qualifications are, criteria. So if I remember correctly, and I'm going to interrupt you here, when we talked to Tyler, and, and, and I don't know if this was on air or off our air completely, <laughs> to be honest, but I think you remember, he mentioned something about the fact that Jackie would pull out, you know, five or six barrels for Mr. Brown to go in and drink and taste, and then he would choose based off of, those five or six samples that she sent him, which one was his favorite, and that was the next one to be released at that age point. And that, I think they said the age point was between 89 months and like 120 months or something. So Yeah, I, I recall that, and Tyler was full of information both on and off the podcast. I really enjoyed that and sitting down with him. The the I recall it, he brought in, I think it was the President's Choice number three. I think it was Batch 3. And so I had had batch two, I believe, once before. And so that was my first time with three. But three was so much smoother than 15. And it could have been that I had had other things before I had number three. And that may have smoothed out the taste buds or wakened them up. But three, I recall being just a darn good drinker. Just neat, straight up. 15 was not quite there for me, but... After that bottle sits and, you know, oxidizes a little bit after it was opened, maybe it's a different pour. Well, you know, we the day we drank the three, we also had the firefighters, which was a barrel strength, and we'd had a couple other pours that day. So, yeah, I could definitely see where maybe you'd warmed up your taste buds a little bit before you tried that one. So it didn't have quite the fire to it as a uh, 15 did. I, I don't know, like, that I have a favorite of anything yet. Um, there's a whole bunch that are cracked open right now. But just like you referenced, uh, I have um, I've been drinking a bunch of the Huber's Starlight single barrel picks that we did, and I am really enjoying the Greater Clark Education Foundation bottle, which was the double oaked. Yes, I've been enjoying it one quite a bit. Um, the, the The funny thing is, is it has a lot more bite than the other one does. Really, in my opinion, up front especially. Um, plus, the finish is. It, the first one, like the 2020 bottle is, I felt like the, the, the finish is almost just disappears. Like it's just such a smooth back end, but 
with uh, the double oak, I feel like that that first initial bite, because it is a three grain, right? So it's a 20% rye, so it's got a little bit more bite on the front tongue. I thought it was a four grain, the mm-hmm. 2020. No, 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 I'm talking about, I, I switched back over oh. to the to the to the other one to dude the, i'm a one, i'm a one track mind you just got to stay in that lane sorry i was i was trying to talk about the subtle differences between the two so i think with it being a higher rye that double oak being that that 60 20 20 blend that they make that uh it, it had a little bit more mouth burn on the front side just because of the rye piece but i enjoy that about it i, re- I really liked the double oak so i sat it next to i want to say it's about 113 proof I think so, 113.4, I think. Okay, so 113.4, and I also had the um, the 94-proof Starlight Double Oak that they have, which is their small batch that they put out, and proof it down to 94. And I, had, I did a side-by-side with those, and oh my goodness, man, trying the one we picked, which is the 113.4-proof versus the 94, I mean, there's just – there's no comparison to those two. The one we picked just blows that sucker out of the water. Very good pour. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Now, I I don't have a bottle to side-by-side side them. I just know from the other tastings that we've done there that I really prefer their barrel strength product to the to the watered-down, you know, small batch stuff that they run. And that's nothing bad against the small batch. It's perfectly good. It's just, you know me, I like heat. Well, this, I just, I didn't feel like the double oaked brought the heat, but it brought the flavor for sure. And it was a very, very smooth, uh, finished flavor to it. And I remembered that day when we were at Starlight and trying the two, I actually, while we were trying the double oaked, I said, I liked one. And so we got to try two. I think we, we ended, landed on two of those double oaked and picked between them, but the one I tried while we were there in the distillery was not the one I chose while we were sitting at the table picking those two. I was the same way. So, yeah, when we initially did it, I think I picked barrel one because I thought it had a little bit more of a polished finish, I guess would be the best way to put it. But when we blinded them up against each other, I picked the barrel that we ended up bringing home, which just, you know, oddly enough, and I thought they were still close when we blinded them, but... Man, I tell you, it's just the more I drink that of that bottle, it's it's just a really good pour, you know. So if I've, I was very pleased. I mean, going into it, I hadn't had Starlight bourbon or whiskey or really anything other than some blackberry whiskey out of there for a year or two, and it was so much different than what I had recalled from two years prior uh, when we were. I guess I take that back when we went up and did the podcast with them this spring. We got to try a bunch of them, but before that, you know, I kind of had a bad, like, you know, that's too young. It's not, the bourbon hasn't aged and, and maybe I was being a Kentucky bourbon snob at the time too, because sometimes that'll, that'll impact how you feel so, about things. I, I feel like most people feel that way right now. You know, I think most people, once they've tried Starlight, you know, now versus what they tried two years ago, I think a lot of people are like, whoa, like really, really pleasantly surprised at how much their products and and I'm not even going to say improved. It's just how much it's aged, right? Like it's matured. And, and I think that, uh, in that situation, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they, they, they pick some unique barrels. I mean, they do some weird, neat stuff on the barreling side. You know, they've got a very, um, the Rick house, the way it lays out, um, the way that they have those vented systems in the, in the Rick house. So I think they keep a little bit more, maybe of a consistent 
temperature during like summertime and things like that. I think that brings a big difference uh, in how their flavors have matured immatured so quickly over the last couple of years. So I want to say Scott early, maybe started the all things starlight Facebook page. Is that right? Yep. Scott. And I think Sarah and you're friends with them or, you know, them become acquaintances. Yeah. Acquaintances. I'm definitely an acquaintance, you know, probably becoming a friend with Scott. We, we talk quite a bit and we, we, we chat about all things starlight and, and, and other bourbon things, but you know, he came on the pick with us. So that was kind of the first time we actually met in person, but we, we, we chat all, a lot now. So my point there was now that I'm a part of that all things starlight Facebook page or group, I feel like there have been an enormous number of single barrel picks that have come out of starlight. And I'm just not sure if I wasn't aware of them because I wasn't in a group that saw that, or if they're just putting out a huge number because they've, they've hit a popularity of late. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, you know, when we talked to Christian, I felt like he said strategically they haven't really done a whole lot of releases up until now because I think that they they knew that they the product was good, but they, they weren't sure, you know, exactly where it was in the maturity process. But I think they feel a lot more comfortable. And even though I still think they're being selective on who gets their single barrels, I think he's really, really doing a... a, a strategic job of working with bourbon groups and bourbon clubs and and some of the higher end retailers and giving them something unique and and that's the good thing i think that they're doing there you know um and then you got some guys that are doing certain things and you have to super super appreciate what they're doing as well like if you look at somebody like down home like robert it's super good dude i've talked to him multiple times recently just in passing about different things about bourbon and everything else he's pretty much an exclusive guy. Like the only people he's really doing barrel picks right now is the LBC and, um, you know, some other things that are coming in the near future. But, you know, he was even real cryptic about what that was going to look like. So I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said with, you know, companies and how they do their releases and how things, you know, are done and, you know, what do you want to do and what do you want your company to look like? But Starlight is definitely, you know, an up and coming brand that I think most people, recognized as being a really really good quality product for especially for its age well i'm i'm really excited you know you and i both got sample bottles of the double oaked before they've been released to everybody else and i'm really excited for people to get the opportunity to try that bottle once it comes out because it has just blown me away and i think everybody that tries is going to say are you sure that's starlight because that is really good and I say that because I think it's Starlight's coming into the market of people that haven't really tried it yet. Hell, there's a lot of people who didn't even know it existed until this year. Well, I'm a Hoosier, so I know that kind no, of stuff. No, I know that, yeah. So we talked about bourbons I liked, and it just dawned on me that I forgot about a bottle that I killed during COVID, which was the Knob Creek Truffle Shuffle. <laughs> Pulled out of the kegs, uh, single barrel select, so... I will tell you that that was one of my favorite bottles this summer during that five letter word COVID was the Knob Creek truffle shuffle. And I don't know what it was about that bottle that just got me, but it didn't drink like a hundred and 120 proof whiskey. And this thing, every time I just went back to it and it kept getting better and better. Eventually I went and got a second one before they sold out. Yep. No, I, I, I agree. That was a really good pour. Um, I had a couple of pours out of that one. 
um, of, of, of those type of bottles that I'd bought, you know, I, I tell you, I really enjoyed our afternoon delight pick that we did through the little bourbon hounds. I thought, you know, Craig and myself, and I can't remember who else was on that pick with us. There was like four of us that went to go do that pick and it was really super impromptu, but that was one, that's been one of my favorites. Um, uh, the bottles unlimited on state street in new Albany. They, and they actually still have some left. It's like 14 years and six months. I got one. So, um, that one's a really good one. And that was 20 bucks, right? Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we got to stop saying that because people are going to be like, oh, wow, they really found that for 20 bucks. I think it was actually we, what, 49 yeah, I think. We, like we didn't really find it for 20 bucks, but that's what I tell my wife. Everything's worth. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll make sure if something horrible happens to you that she doesn't sell it all for $20 a bottle. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you no, have to do the same for me though. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I will. So here we are. We've been talking about single barrel picks with the exception of the old forester president's choice. I want to say everything we talked about was a single barrel select. Now, some of the old forester ones, they're not individual picked; They're master taster picked, but I still look at those as single barrel picks. So do you think the the bourbon community is changing? Is it just Louisville that is that is on this single barrel, the Louisville market that's on the single barrel bandwagon, or is it spread across the U.S.? No, I think it's spread everywhere. And, and, and I'd be honest with you, the, the main reason why I think is because most people that do a single barrel pick, they're doing it because they want something that is slightly off flavor profile. Like when, if you go and get a, just a standard bottle of, you know, your 120 Knob Creek, it's not going to taste like that truffle shuffle. It's just not, it's going to be very different. And, and by very different, I mean, it's going to have some, either some additional heat or it's going to have some additional sweet, or it's going to have some things or some complexities to that taste. And I, I think that's what bourbon drinkers are really looking for. And I think that's why a lot of the craft distilleries are super popular right now is because people are looking for something a little different, you know, and. I don't know about you, you know, but I keep telling myself that I am. And, you know, when I find one, I still get super excited. But, you know, I'm really not out hunting like I used to. I'm not looking for every single bottle, things like that. I do have a couple of stores that will call me when something comes in and I get super excited when they do. But, you know, I was spending every, you know, Thursday afternoon when I got off work and, you know, sometimes, you know, Friday afternoons looking for bourbon. I, I just don't do it anymore. I'm not chasing the same 10 bottles that everybody else is. I don't feel like on a, on a weekly basis. So I've given up searching for Weller because I'm not a weeder. I, I, I don't like, I don't really enjoy the OWA. So I've stopped looking for it. I got a bottle of special reserve at the house. I got an open bottle of OWA. I got a Weller 12. I'm not out looking for it. And that just seems to be what everybody wants. They want the OWA. They want the Weller special reserve. I don't know why, but they do. They want the Weller 12. I got a bottle of foolproof open at home, which is okay. It was one of those uh, Larry Rice silver dollar. Um, Did you get the double medallion? Is that what you got? No, I got this at the first or second one they sold out of. Um, so you got like batch four or whatever. The, the one that's, I can't remember if it's cotton candy or marshmallow flavor in it, uh, but a pretty you know, it opened up after the bottle had sat and oxidized after the initial pours. It really changed the way it, it tasted. So I feel like that's been all the foolproofs that I've opened. Um, now granted I've only opened two bottles and I've tried a bunch of mats and a few others, you know, at bars and things like that. So I feel like 
once they get below the neck and they get a little air to them, I, I feel like they've got a much different flavor than when I opened them originally. So is that a myth or is that something that's real? I can't tell if, if my taste buds just change over that, you know, month it sits or if it's a myth or what it is that everybody I've heard that so many times, let that get below the neck and let it sit there and then see what you think about it. I, I think it's absolutely true. And, and maybe it is all just BS. Who knows? I mean, everybody says it. So, I mean, if everybody says it, is it, is it true or is it just all made up bullshit that we all just agreed that it, it that it does difference? I don't know, but I'll keep drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wish we had Matt here cause I, I had a couple of good questions for him since he's changed jobs and his uh, lifestyle here a little bit recently and him having the baby and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have to pick on him the next time he comes on. But uh, I'm really excited to see what is in the future for um, poor Matt in, in, in his new world. And, and I wanted to pick on him a little bit and see how much more he was drinking. Oh, uh, man, he isn't doing that. He doesn't have time. He's got a, a, a under six-month-old, maybe even less than that, under four-month-old probably. And, you know, you don't sleep. You don't have time for bourbon at that point. I think his wife does all the hard work, man, let's be honest. Well, I'm sure she does, but he probably still doesn't sleep. Now, that's probably true. I got to believe he probably does help out a little bit there. So, But anyway. Well, before we get off here, I want to make sure, because our Education Foundation charity bottle is still available. Yep. As of when this podcast will air. I, I actually hope it's not available, but it, it looks like as of right now, there'll probably be 40 or 50 bottles left by the time this thing airs. So yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about that. If you want to get one, um, you can find probably one of the posts in the Louisville Bourbon Hounds or the All Star, All Things Starlight, um, or you can find it on our Bourbon Barrel Talk page. I did post the link there as well, if I remember correctly. So you can kind of look at that. Um, you, you know, can, you could find the fun. What is it? Mrs. Frizzle, uh, magic school bus picture sticker on there. So. Yes, you can. So you'll, you'll be able to see that and, um, kind of pick that up. Um, one of the other things I wanted to cover before we got off here and, you know, I'm going to make this part of my art, art ending out speech, but is, uh, you know, for all of our listeners out there, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Um, that way it makes it easy for you to get our content, you know, go and, uh, like our Facebook page. Um, at Bourbon Barrel Talk. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram. Our Twitter handle is Bourbon Barrel T1. Um, Bourbon Barrel Talk on Instagram. Get in there, subscribe, follow, do all those things. But especially when you get into the, you know iTunes or into Spotify or whatever you're listening to um, our medium or whatever medium you're listening to us from, make sure that you hit the subscribe button. That's super important to us. That let that lets us know how many people are out there listening, and, and it gives us an opportunity to kind of make sure we're getting the the content to everybody every single week. Um, Scott Minton, old faux fanboy, all signing off. Have a good one. <laughs>